Today's show is brought to you by Lightning Pod. If you have a podcast, you know that it's a lot of work. But Lightning Pod can help. We've been working with their founder, Eric Johnson, for more than a year now, and he's really helped us take the Smart Home Show to the next level. So if you're starting a new podcast or you want to make your existing podcast better, you should get in touch with Eric. Learn more at lightningpod.fm. Hey everyone, this is Mike Wolf with the Smart Home Show. Today's guest is Martin Plain, the CEO of Control 4. I'm sure most of you are familiar with Control 4. If you aren't, you're probably fairly new to the smart home or home automation because they're one of the companies that really have helped change the face of, of uh, home automation over the past decade or so. So I was glad to catch up with Martin and talk to him about the company and some of their initiatives and where they see things going, as well as about how things have changed since they become a publicly traded company. They're interesting to me because they are really probably the most notable home automation, pure play, publicly traded company out there. And so they're they're an interest, interesting company to watch. Uh, you know, they're, they have all their numbers out there. They have all their financials. So you can really kind of see what they're doing and how their business is evolving. So it was an interesting conversation. We also talk about, you know, whether or not Control 4 will go into the DIY market. That's one thing that people have speculated about for some time. With regards to Control 4, we talk about that as well. So so I hope you enjoy this conversation uh, with Martin Plain. Uh, if you want to listen to more Smart Home shows, you know where to go. Just go to technology.fm or just look for the Smart Home Show in any, in any of your podcast apps. And, you know, Whatever it is, whatever you listen to, you'll probably find the Smart Home Show. Just look for it there. Once again, thanks for listening. My name is Michael Wolf, and here's my conversation with Martin Plain of Control 4. Hey, well, I'm super excited to have Martin Plain, the CEO of Control 4 on the Smart Home Show. How are you doing, Martin? Hi, I'm doing great. How about you? Doing well. You know, you guys have uh, been growing. I've been looking at your financials. You guys have been growing. And I can do that because you guys are a public company. And I think you went public in uh, 2013. How have things changed since you're now a public company versus before? Well, from a business standpoint, the business and the opportunity is still the same. Yep. Uh, we think the connected home and the art of the possible of making things better for homeowners and their families with the orchestration of the connected home is still you know, a viable investment opportunity as well as a business opportunity. And we um, are going after it. We've been doing it for 10 years. Uh, we have a broad distribution in North America and now in 88 countries around the world. And we think the growth opportunity is there. And we wanted to have the different instruments that businesses need. And going public was one of those, to have a public currency, a strong balance sheet, access to markets, and um, so we did that in August of 2013, and we've been public since and still chugging away and delivering what we say. I think traditionally most of the business and still the bulk of your business is in the U.S., but you said you're in 88 countries, and I think 25% of your business now is outside of the U.S., and I think China is one of the growth markets. So talk a little bit about that opportunity and how you guys are going after that. Well, we see you know several growth opportunities outside the U.S., our fastest-growing um, market right now is the U.K., okay. um, and then following that is China and India, but on smaller basis. Um, we announced a new office and a direct presence in China. We have an office in Shanghai where we do technical training and technical support and business support for a growing channel in China. 
the homeowner opportunity, the upper middle class of China is very strong and very large, especially in major cities. Uh, and we think that that's a, a long-term opportunity. And uh, since a big piece of our business is our platform, uh, getting our platform installed, building those ecosystem partners around the devices that consumers buy in China is important. And so we said, so let's start now and let's go. And um, that business is uh, doing what we expect it to, and it's a brick-by-brick brick process. Um, the same holds for India. Home ownership in the professional working class in India is very strong, and um, it's actually uh, supply-constrained. Uh, and that will solve itself over years, but we wanted to make sure that we were part of that growth. Uh, so we opened an office in Bangalore, very similar to what we're doing in China, and then building our channel network there. Uh, and then just recently on our last earnings call, we announced that we'll be going direct, building our own presence in Germany, which is another very strong economy, um, but certainly much more established versus an emerging market. Talk about building out an installer channel and an integrated channel in an emerging market like China or India. How, you know, what type of foundation do you have to lay? Is there is there a foundation there at all that you can take advantage of where people have been installing home systems, or is this something you have to build completely from scratch? Um, I would say that it's probably a combination of both. Um, we, in both countries, we had uh, distributor arrangements, so there was a small channel and uh, a sufficient amount of technical presence that we knew that there was a real market and that by expanding it under our own motor power that we could deliver that market. Um, you know, right now we have a little over 100 dealers. We probably add half a dozen to a dozen every 90 days. Um, so it is a brick-by-brick brick process of finding the right qualified independent businesses, convincing them or... Um, or qualifying them to whether or not they're the right business for us to partner with, and then training them, and then getting them to market and install and support their customers. But it, it is a bit of a snowball. You know, once you get to a few hundred dealers, then you get to critical mass. There's an awareness. There's a community. Uh, there are partnerships, and then the, the next wave of uh, of dealers that you add, you know, integration channel. You know, they're not so much the pioneers anymore. That they they see a flywheel that's really moving. Talk about Germany. You said you're going direct. What do you mean by that, and how is that different than your traditional model? Um, we have two models um, in North America right. and in many many countries. We have a direct dealer relationship. That's a relationship between Control Four, the supplier, the originator of the solutions. And our dealer channel, there's no no uh, intermediary between us. In the U.S. and Canada, we have 2,600 dealers. In the U.K., for example, we're direct also. We have 400 dealers. And then in Central Europe or mainland Europe, uh, we primarily use distributors as a proxy or an agent on behalf of Control 4, and they manage uh, the integration or the dealer channel. And at the end of 2014, uh, we came to an agreement, an amicable agreement with our distributor uh, to go direct and to transfer the dealers from the distributor to Control 4. And then we would set up our own office, our own presence, have our own employees, and provide 
sales training, business training, technical training, and technical support from our own office. And that's what we're, we're doing now in 2015. Is there a trending towards going more direct in general in markets like – in established markets like Europe – and does that – what are the dynamics there? Is that something that you ultimately is more profitable for Control 4? It's not necessarily more profitable. It comes down to the relationship and the, the, business, um, the business strategy and capabilities of the distributors that we choose and how those distributors scale and perform over time. Uh, we have some countries where the distributors are extremely strong uh, have been extremely strong and continue to invest to stay strong over the forthcoming, you know, several years. In those countries, uh, we will choose to stay with a distributor because they are effective, uh, and we pay them through a percentage of sales. In other countries where the opportunity may be expanding or is it or is more competitive than what the distributor signed up to. Or over time, you know, what yeah. a distributor signs up to, you know, five years later, they may not have uh, the financial vehicles to invest in the next phase of the of, of the geographic growth. So in those cases, you know, the company has to make a decision: do you just plateau, or do you transform? And in some markets, we choose to transform. In other markets, we have very strong distributors. And in other markets, they may not be a priority relative to the other ones. And so it's a step-by-step process. I know that in the, the financial and housing crisis in 2008, you guys were fairly nimble and dynamic, and you, you definitely started to move more into the retrofit, retrofit and, and existing house market. Um, but now with the housing comeback, I mean, are you guys seeing a shift in balance in terms of, like, what what types of installs you're doing, new build versus uh, uh, existing homes? Uh, new home construction is certainly much stronger than it was 15 months ago, much stronger. It's still uh, a minority percentage of our business. Uh, our retro existing home retrofit business is well above 70% of our business worldwide, and the balance is new construction, either custom homes in North America or community, organized community um, in North America, China, India, a little bit in Europe. And then luxury apartments or luxury multi-dwelling units is also really growing in probably two dozen cities around the world. And, you know, our products are really nicely designed for both those kinds of opportunities. Uh, We use, you know, wireless control technology that makes installation and retrofit environments very, very efficient and still delivering full functionality. And then the nature of our products uh, and the way they're componentized and the way they get assembled into a home really works well for new construction, both custom home, you know, basically planned developments, and especially for uh, multi-dwelling units, luxury apartments, and even hotels. When I talked to you guys at Cedia, it, it, it seemed like one of the things you were intent on doing is creating tools to make uh, integrators and installers make their job easier and essentially allow uh, maybe not the kind of the master programmer having to be there for the entire installation process. So basically 
uh, creating tools that allow, I guess, for lack of a better word, more junior installers uh, do a lot of the, the, the work and even some of the programming. Is, is that is that one of the ways you guys have are starting to kind of look to expand your market is, is to create better tools and, and, and enable the job of kind of newer installers to do, to do their job more easily? Um, we would, we would probably describe it differently. Um, we certainly are investing a lot in new tools and more powerful tools for our installation, our dealer network. Um, we want to make installations far more efficient, far less, uh, error-prone and complex so that our dealers can choose to use that efficiency to either drive scale, use, do more homes in the same amount of time, or drive profitability and then decide whether they use that profitability to expand their business or um, enhance their own um, personal security. Uh, we also, that, so one is drive efficiency. The other big piece is to build tools that enhance our dealers' ability to onboard and train new employees, to basically make the on-ramp process far more smooth, far more less, far less complex, and much more of a step function versus you have to know it all to know anything. And that's why we introduced Composer Express that is really designed for doing two things, breaking the installation workflow into steps, you know, physical install of product and logical install of those products on a network, which we call registration or commissioning of, of, of a device or of devices in a home. And then the next stage is the programming and personalization. So by putting Composer Express into this first phase, not only can we break the workflow process into steps, we can apply that first step to a, as an associate-level employee versus a specialist-level employee. And that dovetails with the on-ramping and the training process. Talk about the, the DIY market and you know how you guys see that evolving. I mean, there's always been kind of the the conversation at large in, in the home automation space, if companies like a Control 4, uh, and I think there has been a lot of speculation by your company in particular, would they go and create a, a product for the DIY market? And my feeling is that probably not at this point, but I mean, I'd love to hear what your thoughts are around that. And do you think that is a completely separate market or, or one that um, cannibalizes your market at all? Well, I think first, you know, we look at the mega trend of everything with a battery and a power cord is going to be connected to a network. And there's going to be lots of different kinds of products that are electrically powered and on those networks. Some of them will be very consumer-oriented products that you just put on a countertop or on a bed table, you know, or in a credenza. Uh, or on a co on a kitchen countertop, and other products that will be part of home infrastructure or business infrastructure. And so that's one one level. I think that consumer oriented products, you know, will be cash and carry and plug them in and 
many of those, or if not the vast majority, there'll be an app for that. I mean, consumers are connected. They have their smartphone in their pocket. They're used to apps, um, and that's that's going to happen. Um, that those in that world, multiple apps is just replaying the tape of multiple remote controls, um, and we'll see how society deals with that problem over time. You know, will there be super apps that are on your phone, or will they? Uh, consolidate into you know a physical handheld remote, you know that that those are the the beauties of the free market system. With regard to home infrastructure, you know I think just because your garage door op- you know opener now has a Wi-Fi radio in it, didn't make it easier to install. And I don't know if you've ever installed a garage door, but it's probably one of the scarier things to do in life. <laughs> um, you know. <laughs> You know, those springs can cut your head off. Um, And they have nothing to do with networking. And lots of other things in your home that are in the infrastructure world um, are going to be on a network, and they're still going to be complicated to install. Window shades, thermostats, heating and air conditioning systems, um, pools and spas. You know, you just go through the list of the things that are in your home and ask yourself how many of those have those homeowners statistically in mass installed themselves and today how much local business lives around every community to service the home i mean we buy paint at home depot and we still hire a painter yeah and it's not even on a network i know that's a little flip but you know i think people really have to examine how humans behave and and how families and homeowners behave and that yes that the world is more technical and yes in the United States and in Western Europe and you know some portions of the Chinese economy there is that tech savvy person that hobbyist but that's still one or one and a half percent of the overall um, Population and shouldn't be confused with the general population. You know, if you look inside, if you look inside Lowe's and Home Depot and even some of the very um, high-profile, you know, Internet of Things or um, home products, many of those companies are now recruiting a professional network for installing. Why is that? not because their products don't work. It's because consumers need help. They want help. You know, I can go to Home Depot and buy that $9 PVC pipe for my sink trap, and I still choose to pay a plumber 200 bucks. And that's nothing compared to what we're talking about in the connected home. And even to be, and to be more flip or more dramatic, you know, a hundred years ago, water was DIY. You know, get a bucket, go get it yourself. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and since then, statistically, no one put their plumbing in their home. And for the next hundred years, statistically, no one will put their own plumbing in their home. And what we're talking about in the connected home infrastructure is way more complicated than pipe and gravity. There's a startup called Hello Tech. 
what are they looking for? They're going to bring local service to communities and homeowners to help with Internet of Things products, home networking, technology for the home. Lowe's is trying to think about, at least what I've read, having a local service network of independent providers. Companies like Nest, they have a program called Nest Pro, recruiting professional installers. You know, if it was all so simple, they wouldn't be doing that. Yeah, I know. I think you're you're onto something. And and these DIY providers are building out professional installation networks. And it seems like there's a like an opportunity in the market um, for this almost like uh, kind of this layer of installer that is uh, that fits in and kind of works with and around DIY. Um, and it could be um, it's obviously below the CDA channel. But maybe more akin to something like uh, the Geek Squad level of installer that Best Buy has been employing. So, I think there's an opportunity in the market for services uh, and, and installers to install these products. Yeah, I think the big mega point the met the, the, is consumers need help choosing and selecting the right products because there's a lot to choose from, and some of the decisions have different ramifications. Consumers will do research, but they still want to have some consultation. And then they're going to want help with the installation, and then they're going to want help with service. And how our society, our ecosystem, the technological world, this free market system of suppliers, how we solve that problem over the next decade is the market opportunity. You know, Control 4 came about, um, you know, in the early 2000s, when there wasn't really any good software around kind of getting home, now you see what I would call largely software-centric companies like, you know, Google, um, to a certain degree Apple, um, trying to create these software frameworks that will be unifying. You talked about, you know, will there be a super app? And I think that's what they want to get to, uh, largely around their ecosystems that they're trying to build. So. You know, I know that you guys have done some integration with with Nest, for example. But talk a little bit about what you think ar- around some of these efforts, and do you see Control Four working with and trying to integrate as much as possible when you see a new a home kit come around, or even something that's uh, vendor agnostic like a, an all join? Well, I I think that's a multi layer question. Yeah, uh, yeah, number yeah. <laughs> one, we we've we've been a master of interoperability since we started. Our platform complements and supplements our solutions. We interoperate with 8,000 devices of all sorts from hundreds of manufacturers. We have technology called Simple Device Discovery Protocol that we license liberally to hundreds of manufacturers. There's now over 100 that have licensed it, shipping 500 SKUs or more um, in mass, mass quantity that make products from those vendors easily discoverable on a home automation network. And Sony Bravia TVs ship, every one of them ships with SDDP on board. Um, most of the home receivers, many, many digital camera, IP-based cameras, so that you know, we can facilitate the connected home in the context of you know, a personalized automated solution for a homeowner. Um, Things like what Google is doing with uh, their purchase of Nest and Dropcam and their threat initiative are not to the exclusion of Control 4. 
you know, they're, they don't have a bullseye on us. Uh, they see a big opportunity. They're going to go try to get their piece of it. But it's not to the exclusion. We'll always interoperate with products uh, from companies like that if, they, if those companies have an open policy, and right now they seem to. Um, Apple's HomeKit, we'll have to see how that evolves. I could envision solutions from Control 4 you know, playing next to and, uh, and with that ecosystem, but we'll have to see how that evolves. And, you know, in the meantime, we're building out our solutions and delivering them to homeowners, and we think that our opportunity to, to deliver to, you know, the real world every single day continues to grow. Talk about where you see Control 4 going in the next few years. Any, any sort of large-scale initiatives um, that you can point to in a general sense um, that you see? Any kind of new areas or, or just kind of gr- doing the same thing, growing internationally? Um. I look at things through a pretty simple lens. Um, I think that uh, the world is going to continue to get more and more connected, connected, and there will be more and more choices of different kinds of devices that that homeowners need in their home and want in their home, and they should work together. I think that there's going to be families in the future, and there's going to be homeowners in the future. And that's a very big opportunity for us to just keep focused on it, be the best at delivering solutions to homeowners and their families, you know, to make their entertainment systems easier, to make their lighting and comfort systems more intelligent and comfortable and make their house safer and secure. And we're only 0.15% penetrated in households with household income above 150K. And that's so underpenetrated you know, if I could get to a half percent or one percent penetrated, I'd have an enormous business. And, you know, you can't get to 10 percent penetrated if you don't get to one. And I'm just focused on that. And I don't think that opportunity is going to go away. And I don't think anybody's going to take it from us. You came from Real Networks. Um, I believe uh, that was your previous. So talk about the differences of, uh, of working in the Internet and kind of streaming business versus the smart home business. Are they, are they, are they similar in a, in a sense? Are there differences? Um. You know, my, my career, I'm a so- I started out in software and computer graphics in the scientific domain. I, you know, ended up in computer animation for television and movies and games, delivering tools to animators and, you know, ending up running the big systems business for real that provided audio and video streaming technology to companies during the time that I was there, AOL, Yahoo, Deutsche Telekom, Vodafone, Sprint, Verizon. And, you know, you learn a lot about what does it take to build scalable systems? What does it take to build efficient systems? What does it take to build uh, products that consumers can easily um, access? And, you know, they they were all building blocks that... The nature of that business is very different than mine, but the underlying pieces and that you have to put together to build a solution have a lot of similarity, a lot of technical similarity, and a lot of um, sort of business principle and company culture and company pursuit of excellence and predictability and focus. And um, so, you know, to me... This is a, a really good fit. I've been here three and a half years. I enjoy it, you know, every day, not necessarily every minute. <laughs> but, uh, 
you know, it's it's a, it's an adventure, and I, I think it's a long-term adventure. Great. Hey, well, thanks, Martin, for taking time with me today. Yeah, thanks a lot. I really appreciate it. So there you go. If you are a Control 4 installer, if you're a person who has a Control 4 system, I hope this was beneficial. If you're someone who's just looking to learn more about the broader smart home outside of the DIY-specific smart home that I talk a lot about, hope this was beneficial as you heard about what Control 4, one of the, the key brands within the higher-end smart home installer market, is doing. So hope you enjoyed that. As always, please subscribe to the Smart Home Show. Look for us in your favorite podcast app or go to technology.fm. You can find us there as well. Thanks again for listening. We'll talk to you soon. 